It's great to be among you this morning, and it's great to be able to open God's Word. But before we do that, let's just pray. Let's just be quiet for a minute. We've just been singing that lovely hymn, All to Jesus I Surrender. Let's just open our hearts and minds now and surrender them to God so that He will be able to do what He wills with His Word, which is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Let's just prepare our hearts to be quiet. Father, we thank You that we are assured of one thing, that You're here with us this morning, and we praise You for that. We thank you, Lord, that your spirit seeks and desires to come into our hearts and to help us to open them to all that you have for us. And Lord, sometimes we struggle with that and we pray, Lord, this morning that we would truly surrender all to you so that we might receive all that you have for us. We believe, Lord, that you're here. We thank you that we can call you our loving Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord, as our Father, that you want to bring a blessing into our lives. Help us, Lord, to be able to receive that. And yet, Lord, as a Father, you also want to come and challenge us in the way that we live, in the things that we do, so that, Lord, that we might bring glory and honour to you. Lord, we want to learn more about you this morning. We pray, Lord, that this would be another step in our Christian life so that, Lord, that we might grow a little bit more in grace and in the knowledge of yourself. And so, Lord, we thank you for your presence. Help us now, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you might like to turn to Hosea. Hosea chapter 11, and we're going to read the whole chapter together. In my Bible it's page 907, but I don't know if it's helpful for you. And the heading of the chapter is God's love for Israel. And so this is God's word. This is probably the most important part of the service because it's God speaking to us from his word. And as I often say to the people, are you listening? Are you listening now to what God has to say to us? When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them in my arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. And here we have this lovely picture of what God is doing to his people. He's acting as a father would, just bending down to help them, feeding them, being there for them. 
Will they not return to Egypt and will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? Swords will flash in their cities, will be destroyed, the bars of their gates and be put to an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me, even if they call to the Most High, he will by no means exalt them. And again, here we have God's cry. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeoim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger. I will not turn and devastate Ephraim. For I am God and not man, the Holy One among you. I will not come in wrath. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling like birds from Egypt, like doves from Assyria. I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. And we'll pray that God will bless that word to us. Let's consider your age to begin with. How old are you? Well, I'm seven and a half exactly. You don't need to say exactly, the Queen remarked. I can believe without that. Now I will give you something to believe. I am just 101, five months and a day. Oh, I can't believe that, said Alice. Can't you, said the Queen in a pitying tone. Then try again. Take a deep breath and close your eyes. Alice laughed. There's no use trying, she said. One can't believe the impossible. Oh, I dare say you've not had much practice, said the Queen. When I was your age, I always did it for half an hour each day. Why, sometimes I believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast. Now I'm sure that you realise that that's a quote from Alice in Wonderland. In the upside down world of the White Queen, it seems that it was easy to believe in the miracle. All you had to do was close your eyes and hold your breath and you could believe anything. Sadly, in the real world, sadly in this side of the looking glass, it seems very different. And yet, sadly, I say that there are many in our churches today, like Alice, who can't believe the impossible. And yet here we are, we believe in the God of the impossible. And so this morning I want to look at something that I pray will bring this wow factor back into our lives. I sometimes watch the the television and people stand and they go, wow, look at that. And they're amazed and they're surprised. And yet sadly sometimes I go into the churches and I find 
That they say that they believe in the God of the impossible. Yet the wow factor... That faith that causes us to stand back and say, wow, it's gone. It's lost. And the wow factor is one of the things that I believe will challenge the world out there to see that our faith is real. The wow factor. I pray that this morning, through God's word, that something of the wow factor will again just grip us so that people will stand up and notice. Because I can guarantee if you say, wow, people will take notice. And to do that, I want to look at this book that we've just read from, the book of Hosea. It's a book that reminds us right through from beginning to end God's amazing love and his unfathomable love for us. The story is told of Martin Luther, that great reformer, and we're told that he was a rugged man. He was a man very much down to earth, especially when it came to speech. He was a man that never minced his words. And one day he was brooding. He was very sad because he was thinking about the sin and the apostasy of the world. And he was heard to cry from his study these words. If I were God and the world treated me as it treated him, I would kick the wretched thing to pieces. That Luther was bewildered, as many of us are, God's incredible patient love towards us. And I'm sure that many of us sometimes feel like Luther. Because isn't it true we persistently, it seems, want to throw God's love back in his face by the way that we act or react? By the way that we think and the things that we do. Each day I look at my own life and it seems that sometimes I just want to crucify Christ afresh. And I'm thinking why doesn't God just sweep me into oblivion and start all over again because I fail and fail and fail. My sin, your sin, the sin of mankind. How is it? That God can bear it. It's a wow factor. It's something that causes us to be amazed. And it's this bewildering patient love of God. That is the theme of the book of Hosea. Someone has said about him, he's the first religious genius in Israel to grasp and to proclaim the miracle of divine long-suffering love. That's why he's known as the great evangelistic prophet of the Old Testament. That's why, if you read the book, and I want to challenge you to do that also, if you read the book, you see the very face of Christ shining through. 
But how can I interest you in this book of Hosea? How can I get you so that you can't wait to get home (coughs) to read it? Well, let me contrast it with another prophet. Because sometimes when we see a contrast, then we understand better. I just want to, just for a minute, contrast him with one of his contemporaries. I want to contrast him with Hosea. Two radically different men. Two men called by God to do different things. And just as I was thinking about the contrast, I thought, well, isn't it good that God doesn't stereotype us? That we're all different. That he doesn't standardize his saints. That God uses men and women of all shapes and all sizes. If you go to Amos and read his book, he's a whirlwind of a man. I can guarantee you, if you read Amos this afternoon, you'll want to have a rest. He just goes boom, 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 boom. But Hosea, he's a very sensitive, tender-hearted person. Amos is the herald of doom and gloom and judgment. Hosea, he comes as an ambassador. He comes as someone bringing the gifts of love and mercy. The background to Amos is desert, scorching place, dry place. You'll not only be tired if you you read Amos, you'll want a good drink after it. I can guarantee you a good refreshing drink of water. But Hosea... The background is the home. The background is a lovely, pleasant place where the dearest intimacies of life are lived out. In Amos, God speaks with thunder and lightning. In Hosea, God comes as a lover, as a wooer, as a husband. It's a homely gospel if you can put it that way so where did Hosea find this gospel of love where did he find this wow factor that made him stand back and say wow what a God I have (coughs) I want to challenge you to read the book because you find the answer there it came to him through his own experience And his own experience is that of something that crushed him, that broke him, that caused him much sorrow. This book was written 700 years before the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And yet in the book you will discern Jesus, you will discern the cross, because in a sense Hosea himself was a crucified man. But let me ask a question just before we look at it. And it's a rhetorical question. But is it not true that when we go through difficult times, when we go through hardship, that it's in these troubled times actually that we see God clearer than just in the normal days of life. One of the great preachers, Joseph Parker, put it like this. Tears are telescopes 
And through our tears we can see God and we can see him sharply. I'm a great guy. I like to read about the Covenanters um, of Scotland. Those great men who were willing to stand up and give their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. And through the testimony of many of them, they said this, that they never felt Christ's presence more than when they were being chased for their lives by the dragoon guards. And I think that many testimonies would share that it's in the dark places, in the valleys of the shadow of death, that we actually discover how near God is. Have you ever read Pilgrim's Progress? Christian going through the valley of the shadow of death. He's feeling his way. He's all afraid. And then all of a sudden he makes his discovery. He says, hey, there's two of us in this darkness. I am not alone. And it's sometimes in the dark times that God is nearer than we can ever imagine and think. And we realize God's all-sufficient love and grace. So what was the nature of Hosea's sore experience? What was it that was happening in his life that revealed to him something of the eternal heart of our living God? Well, it was something that we are all aware of. And maybe some have experienced it. It was that of a domestic tragedy. It was the agony of a wounded affection. It was a broken home. For here, Hosea had loved and lost. Gomar, the bride of his life, the love of his life, the light of his eye, had left him with two sons, faithless, and disloyal, she wandered off, as Hosea tells us, into the far country. Who else wandered into the far country? Do you remember? Jesus gave the parable of the prodigal son going into the far country. Well, this is what happened to Hosea's wife, Gomer. She went into the far country. Read the story. It's amazing. <clears throat> and you'll see her. And she falls into degradation, she falls into shame, and the country claims her as her own. And Hosea sits down amongst all this tragedy. A man of sorrow, they would say, acquainted with grief. But you have to read the story to see what happens. Because as you read the story, you see that he comes to a, a realization that although his wife Gomer had broken his home, and although his wife Gomer had broken his happiness, and although his wife Gomer had broken his heart, and he's suffering these nights and days because he can't sleep because of it, he discovers one amazing thing. And this comes through in the book. One amazing thing that she had not been able to break. And that was the love that he had for her. It's amazing. 
that somehow this love that he had for his wife Gomer had refused to be destroyed. What does one well-known hymn writer say? I will not let thee go. Have not young flowers been content, plucked ere their buds could blow? To seal our sacraments I cannot, I will not let thee go. Or as the scripture says, having loved his own, he loved them to the end. This love that he had for his wife Goma had not been broken. I want you to read the book. See what happens. It is an amazing revelation. He realizes that this love that he has for his wife is not passive. It's not a love that sits down and thinks the worst. He realizes this love that he has for his wife is a love of action. It's a redemptive love. And then the tear comes to your eyes because the day comes when Hosea gets up from his ashes and he goes into the far country. And what does he do? He seeks out his wife. He finds her in the place where human refuge is. In the slave market. Ready to be sold as a slave. And in those days, if you were a slave, you could sink no further. She was just terrible to look at. Absolutely a lady that had been used and abused. Read the story. Because it will bring a tear to your eye. Because Hosea buys her back. He buys her out of slavery. He pays the ransom price. And then with infinite care and tenderness he pours oil on her wounds and he brings her home. And how does he bring her home? He brings her home rejoicing. Because he's found his love. And it's true the saying, love conquered all at last. That's the story of Isaiah. And Gomer. And as you read the book, and I know it's like a stuck needle, but I'll say it again. I want to encourage you to read it. As you read the book, <coughs> out of this moving experience, this man Hosea makes an amazing discovery about the heart and the mind of the God that we are worshipping today. There he was, thinking about his own life, thinking about the events that happened in his life, and he realizes that something similar had happened with God and his relationship with his people Israel. He realizes that Israel, like Gomer, had broken the marriage relationship, the marriage covenant that they had with God. That Israel had done all that Gomer had done, but he realizes that they had done far worse. And he asks this amazing question. What would God do? What would God do 
because it was happening before their very eyes. He realizes, you see, that even in the depth of his despair, if Gomer had walked through the door, he would have accepted her. He would have loved her. He would have taken her back completely and utterly because of that love. And then, he, and this is the, the question that, that makes him stand out from all the other prophets. Then he asks the question, shall God do less? It's a Holy Spirit experience. It's a shaft of life. Shall God do less? And it's that one question that makes this man the great prophet he is. This daring logic of faith that he has, rising from the human to the divine. He says, if I suffered so much over Gomer, how much more the God of Israel will suffer over his people Israel. He realizes that. It's an amazing moment in the book. That Hosea has this logic. But is this logic valid? People have asked. Can we use this logic? Does God think like that? And Jesus himself in his teaching gives us the right to do it because Jesus himself says if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him and if Jesus argues from the human to the divine he gives us the permission to do so and think the same if you and I are willing to suffer and to take back and to forgive some of them that we love dearly and we do it every day when we bring up our children we do it every day when we live with each other if you and I are willing to do that then God whose image we are made in how much more will God because surely that is a God thing and it's an amazing truth it's a wow factor in the book when you come to realize this truth that God will accept us no matter how low or how far we've wandered from Him. Someone has said the human heart at its highest and best is a true signpost of the heart of the God who is eternal. If I would know, one of the great <coughs> preachers once said, if I would know how the Almighty fell, feels towards me, I need to listen to the beating of my own heart and then add infinity. That's how God feels. And so I leave you with three thoughts to go home with today. Three thoughts that when we think about it will stand, I pray, will cause us to say, wow, what a great God we have. Isn't he amazing? Wow. And if someone walks in at that moment and said, what are you saying wow for? Have you just won the lottery? You say, wow, no, I've just realized how great a God I have. 
three thoughts the sorrow of God we don't like to think that do we that we can break God's heart that we can cause him to feel sorry listen to what he says I will betroth you to me forever I will betroth you in righteousness and justice in love and compassion I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will know me isn't that a lovely picture of the New Testament and the church the bride of Christ Hosea sees Gomer as God sees his people who had broken the marriage vow who had been unfaithful now I don't know if you've ever experienced maybe personally I'm sure you've known people who have gone through the agony of a broken marriage it's terrible because it not only affects the couple it affects everyone and everybody around it and it can cause great hardship well just imagine what God feels like his pure <coughs> love and yet he's willing to accept us because of that pure love it's the story of the gospel the cross the shining letters for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and we need to realize that God can be sorrowful that we can break the heart of God but the book doesn't leave it there if you read the book and you must then you also see the undiscourageable patient love of God he will not give up Hosea realized that his love for Gomer it survived the wrecking of a home he loved her he wouldn't let her go as the old hymn put it um, no sorry as, as the scripture put it the scriptures that we read God's word how can I give you up O Ephraim how can I let you go O Israel it's a cry from the very heart of God remember Jesus when he came to Jerusalem what did he do O Jerusalem Jerusalem how often would I have gathered you Jesus cried tears of sorrow you know I break faith with God so many times you know what he still loves me isn't that amazing I multiply my sins so many times yet he multiplies his love I sometimes put God to open shame he refuses to despair that's why the Apostle Paul was read to, led to write the long suffering of the Lord is our salvation. The long suffering love of the Lord. God's sorrow. God's great patient love for us. And as you read the book, 
the final victory of God. Hosea brought Gomer home from the far country, brought her back to the place where she <coughs> had that lovely home. Please believe me, the God that we believe in and the God who believes in us, his love is not a passive love. It's a redemptive love. It's a love that will seek us out wherever we are. One of the great hymns that we sing, O loving wisdom of our God, when all is sin and shame, a second Adam to the fight and to the rescue came. The love of God, the pinnacle of it, is in sending the Lord Jesus Christ into the world to die for each and every one of us. One of the covenanters that died for his faith was a man called Donald Cargo. And as he was being led away, he turned to the crowd and he says this, I have gotten me Christ, and Christ has gotten me the victory. These three remain, Paul tells us, faith, hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. God's final victory, the wow factor, is God's love. And so he says to me and to you this morning, how can I give you up? The church here in Middlesbrough. How can I hand you over? People here. And it echoes, I can't. I can't. I can't. I will not let you go. Wow. Come on, surely there's a wow. Surely there's an amazing wow to that. I will not let you go. And that's the story of salvation. I will not let you go. Let's pray together. And let's just be silent. And let's take just a minute to think about what has been said this morning. And maybe there's someone here who has never ever taken that step of faith. Who has never ever accepted God's love for them seen on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe this morning they realize that God's love is a wow factor. And they want to do it. And Graham's there, go and speak to him. Or maybe we have just lost something of that first love. That wow factor. And maybe this morning it's just time to ask God the Holy Spirit to come and to renew us as we sang at the beginning, I surrender all. Let's take a minute to let God speak. Father, our prayer is that your will might be done this morning. Because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.